Hey, what's going on, Future Is Now family? Thank you so much for tuning in on this Tuesday. I hope you're having a great morning. Um, I have a teaching for you. We're going to be talking about the race that God has called us to run, how to run it effectively, and how it's under attack. And I'm excited for this episode. I think you're going to learn a lot. This was on my Instagram. This was on another platform. But um, I wanted to do a special podcast episode about it because I believe in it. Um, So get your hearts and your minds ready. And let's press into this episode of The Future Is Now. All right. So in this teaching, we're going to be talking through a lot of scripture, but here's the thing. Uh, We're talking about scripture because I want uh, scripture to inform you. I don't just want to teach you. I want scripture to inform you. I never want you to go about your day saying, well, I believe this because Spencer believes it. No, I want you to believe something because the Bible reinforces it. And so I try my hardest in what I, when I talk about and when I teach to reinforce it with scripture. And so we're going to continue to do that. But uh, this teaching comes out of Hebrews 12, one. It's my life verse here. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race with perseverance marked out for us. So the basis of this is everybody has a race to run. You have a race to run. And number one, it's so unique to you, which means like God knows your unique personality traits and what you've gone through and he shapes our calling based on that, right? He doesn't give like blanket callings as in all pastors are the same, all teachers are the same, all doctors are the same, all financial accountants are the same. No, he knows you, he knows your strengths, he knows your weaknesses, and he caters a call to that, which is amazing. Like the God of the universe knows every aspect of our lives and so caters a calling to our strengths. It's incredible. Number two, it's good. And by good, I don't mean money and fame, but I mean joy and fruit. It's going to bring fruit in your life. It's going to bring joy in your life. It's going to bring fulfillment in your life. And let me tell you, this podcast has not always been easy What I'm doing has not always been easy. It took a while for me to gain any traction at all for people to actually listen. But guess what? It's always been, it's always, always brought me fulfillment and peace with God that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's what your, your race will do for you. It's good. And number three, it's so under attack. It's under attack. And I know when I say under attack, you're like, wait a second. Yep, I know attack. Satan, demons, spiritual warfare, which is totally true. I mean, scripture tells us right now that spiritual warfare is going on right now around you. But guess what? That's not exactly what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is this. Many followers of God are so consumed with the enemy of Satan that they never recognize the enemy of self. Many followers of God are so consumed with the enemy of Satan that they never recognize the enemy of self. So we're going to unpack that. Romans 7, 14 through 18, Paul says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin, for I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Here's what's crazy is Paul was the man. Paul was like the guy that is not messing up. Uh, He's not having a moral failure. He is on fire for God. He's smart. He's capable. He's strong. He's courageous. And even he's saying in Romans 7, yeah, there's a part of me that does what I don't want to do and a part of me that I know I should do that I don't do. And here's what Paul's telling us. We are new creations through grace, right? I mean, because of salvation, because of grace, we were dead and now we are alive. That's the beauty of what happened on the cross with Jesus. We were dead to our transgressions, now we're alive, but we're still in our human bodies, which means this. Paul recognizes that grace has given us the ability to disassociate Um, our identity from our sin. 
So when we look at sin, a part of us, I talk to a lot of people and they're filled with shame because they think that sin is their identity. They think because I'm struggling with this, guess what? That's what my identity is. That's not true. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is basically saying, hey, your life is going to constantly have tension between your flesh that belongs to the world and your spirit that belongs to Christ. So when you sin, guess what? It's not really you. It's not really the new creation within you, but it's the sin inside of you and your flesh that is sinning against you. Now, does that excuse you from responsibility? Absolutely not. It's still your responsibility. But Paul is basically saying, hey, we, we can't walk with shame because we have to understand that God is calling us to something greater, something apart from this thing that my flesh wants to do. And Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And the reason I'm jumping to Ecclesiastes is this, like, Sometimes when we're struggling with something, guess what? We isolate and isolation and loneliness can be a self-inflicted wound that comes from shame. But when we cast off shame, right? When we embrace Romans 7, when Paul is saying, no, 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 it's not, my identity is not my sin. My identity is with Christ. And so I'm trying to pull myself up away from this sin. How do we do that? We do it with other people. It says, not if you fall, but when you fall, guess what? You're going to fall. You're going to fall down. You're going to mess up. You're going to screw up in this life because you're human. And guess what? I'm human too. And I know my tendencies. So I know that you will also be the one to fall down because I've fallen down. And we're all the same on a, on a basic, at the foot of the cross, on a human level. We all make mistakes and we all fall short. When you fall, do you have good people around you to lift you up? And this is what I've seen from society. What I've seen from society is like we surround ourselves with a lot of friends that guess what? We always joke about struggle, but we never ask about struggle. The world lo loves to like laugh about our pain and, you know, memes and whatever. And, you know, I'm not saying be the weird person that always just takes everything too seriously. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying like comedy is a coping mechanism. And we all realize that. We laugh at our pain, which is good. But uh, maybe we should stop joking about our struggles and start talking about our struggles. I think that's important. I think it's important to, to take a step back and realize that vulnerability is a key uh, to unlocking a strength and a courage within us that really is a, a weapon against the enemy. We need to be courageous. We need to be vulnerable. You know, we, we can't continue to walk in what God has called us to do and not be vulnerable and not talk about things because that is the trap that we're walking into with the enemy is, man, I, I can't, I have to be strong. I have to be good. I have to be perfect. I can't talk about my weaknesses. No, at the end of the day, that's stupid. And we need to stop joking about struggle. We need to start talking about struggle because guess what? The only way forward is if we deal with our stuff. We deal with our shortcomings. We deal with things. Second Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We'll be right back. 
I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but in the last couple of years, a lot has come out upon the intentions and the motivations and the support that a lot of these companies in the world have. And what I mean by that is we have a lot of companies like Walmart, like Amazon, uh, like Target, like these big box companies that are supporting things like Planned Parenthood, that are supporting things like having drag shows in elementary schools. and. It just doesn't sit well with me. I don't like it. I don't like putting my money and shopping at places that, guess what? I know they're turning around and giving that money to places that I don't believe in and I don't trust. And so I found a solution. Uh, this podcast is officially sponsored by SwitchAway. It's a, a company that allows us to, guess what, shop with American manufacturers that support causes that we like, that support small businesses. And so what if I told you you could, you could just switch where you shopped and it wouldn't affect your bottom line budget, it really wouldn't affect your convenience, and all the while you would actually be supporting companies and businesses that you believe in that wouldn't be going towards abortions that wouldn't be going towards these things that christians disagree with frankly and so if you want more information my family has already switched away we've already made the switch but if you want more information on this i'm going to provide a link in the description check it out or you could just go to switchaway.com backslash spencer that's switchaway.com backslash spencer you know, I think honestly, the future is now family. We could take a chunk of capital away from these big box businesses and really give it towards um, companies and families and people that we believe in. So let's make the switch today. Get more information. Check out that link again. That's switchaway.com backslash Spencer. Now back to the podcast. We need to take cues from Paul. Recognize the flesh within us that is weak, that is trying to sin, you need to recognize the tension and you need to identify your pain points. And here's the crazy thing. Usually you won't recognize the bad fruit that you're cultivating in your life until it's fully formed and you taste the bitterness in your own mouth. That's why we see 40-year-olds with so much regret. That's why we see middle-aged crises is because they take inventory of their life and they realize, oh my gosh, I've spent all of my life not doing things that I know I should have been done and now I'm reaping the benefits of it at this point in my life. What you do and who you are today is a lagging metric to what you were doing five years ago. What, and I'll say it like this. What you, do, what you decide to do today will have an impact on who you are in five years because that's just the way life is. We sow now and we reap later. And so salvation eliminates the consequences after death, but it does not eliminate the consequences of life. What do I mean by that? I mean... We have things that God has called us to do, a race that we have run. But guess what? If in mile one, you're not drinking water in a marathon, if before the marathon even starts, you're not drinking water, you're going to cramp up. And by the time you get to mile 18, 19, 20, and you start drinking water, it's too late. You're going to cramp up. You're going to be dehydrated. So if you have a picture of where you want to be in five years and 10 years, you got to start now. You got to put disciplines in place now. You got to start praying now. You got to prepare your spirit now. Because the last thing I want to do is get called into a season God has called me to and not be prepared for it. I want to be ready so that when the call of God comes, I'm here, I'm ready, my spirit is ready, my maturity is ready, my disciplines are ready, and I can walk into it confidently and boldly. I, I'll say this, like, I just started getting a lot of following this last year, right? I mean, I, I think I've gained like 200,000 of a following across platforms, maybe 300,000 across platforms. But guess what? I was ready for this. I was ready for it because I prayed 
And I prepared my spirit as if I was already leading 300,000 people. And then when the time finally came, I'm ready for it because I knew that's where God was leading me. And the last thing I wanted to do was step into a place where I'm leading a lot of people and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so insecure. I'm so scared because I don't, I don't have anything in place and I don't feel competent. I feel competent and I feel ready. Not because I'm, I'm, I have a prideful heart, but because man, I believe that I'm spirit led. I trust God with all my heart and I believe that he's leading me to where he wants me to go. And it's a fun ride when you do it like that. But it requires you to identify where you need strength right now and where you need to grow. Admitting to yourself and others that you're lazy, it's hard and it's embarrassing. But being 40 in a broke joke is going to be a lot harder. I promise you that. Admitting to yourself that you have a repetitive sin problem right now is hard. It's embarrassing. But having that blow up in your face 15 years from now, destroying a marriage, destroying a family, destroying a career, that's going to be a lot harder. Right, The process of sanctification is hard, but the alternative is always, always going to be a lot harder. And the, the other point I want to make on this topic is this. An environment may help you, but it will never s- sustain you. I'll say that again. An environment may help you, but it will never sustain you. A lot of us, I think, are carried by environments. And in order to, to, to continue to run the race that God has set out for us, number one, with perseverance— And number two, effectively bearing fruit that's not bitter, we have to understand that our environment cannot shape our faith. It cannot shape our resilience. You know, I I always can tell the strength of somebody's faith when they're put in an environment that isn't friendly to their faith and how they respond and how they react. Because it's easy to get carried by an environment. It's easy to rely on people around you, like people that go to church, right? And they're like righteous and holy and love it. And then they go Monday through Friday. And then if you looked at your lives, you would think, do you even, do you even know God? You know, like you are not a nice person. You are not kind. And, and, and we'll look at this in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. Paul again says this to the church of Corinth. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Okay, so let's unpack this for a second. Paul is saying, hey, Remember the nation of Israel that got delivered out of slavery in Egypt, right? Moses delivered an entire nation. Yeah, while they were traveling to the promised land, number one, they experienced the Shekinah glory of God, which means during the day, a literal cloud followed them that blocked all the sun from them, you know, the heat of the sun. And then at night, a literal pillar of fire guided them. We'll be in a church service and we'll feel goosebumps and we'll be like, God, I know you're real. That's Holy Spirit. I feel you. You know, imagine seeing a, a pillar of fire. Okay. How can you deny God's presence at that point? Then also they saw the Red Sea split. Moses split the Red Sea. That's insane. They ate the manna that came miraculously food that was given to them. They drank the water that came from the rock. Okay. Now I'm they, like, they experienced all this and they're still discontent and not trusting of God in the moment. Which tells me you can be both in the presence of God and reaping the benefits of his blessing and yet have your heart drawing further and further away from him. That's a crazy reality. Israel was a people that did not rise to the level of their faith, but they fell to the level of their environment. We cannot fall to the level of their environment. 
We have to be resilient and understand that our relationship with God internally is the most important thing that we need to steward. And what if I told you that the introduction of death and redemption of life happened in the same exact environment, right? Genesis 3, Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden of Eden. Sin enters the world. Luke 22, Jesus gets crucified, paying the penalty of that sin. Adam was a sinless man who battled Satan's sin, self, and temptation in the Garden of Eden, lost, impacted all of humanity. Jesus, a sinless man who battled Satan's self, sin, and temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane, won, impacted all of, uh, all of humanity. Everything, every area that Adam failed at, Jesus redeemed. It's crazy. And we can go a step further. I mean, Adam cast blame on Eve after he, he sinned and labeled her as a culprit. Jesus on the cross said, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. It's crazy the parallels between them. But same environment, two completely different outcomes. And here's where, here's where the difference is. Adam would make decisions based on my will be done. Jesus made the decisions, thy will be done. Thy will be done. What statement are you making in your faith today? What are you saying to God? Are you saying, no, my will, I want my will, or are you saying thy will? Because that's going to determine how well you run your race. That's going to determine how well you're battling yourself. Because I promise you, yourself, right, where the enemy of self wants you to live your life based off of my will. I know better. I know what's best. I want what's convenient. I want what's now versus our spirit is begging us to live our lives, thy will be done. Because we know, our spirit knows that God has everything in the palm of his hand, universe from thumb to pinky, like he sees everything and he knows what's best for us. But that one question is going to be determining how well we battle ourselves in fighting for what God has called us to do. God has called you, if you're listening to this, I'm telling you, God has called you to an incredible purpose that is specific to you, that is good, that is going to be fulfilling, that is going to be full, full of fruit, but it requires us to steward our lives and live off of thy will be done. So I hope that you learned a lot. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this teaching. Uh, I'm going to do more teachings, I think, on the podcast as well as commentary. But um, thank you so much for joining in on The Future Is Now. If you haven't yet, make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Tell me what you love about it. Go follow me on Instagram and message me about some some thoughts that you had about the, the podcast. Check out Switch Away if that's really what you want to do and then what you're interested in. I promise you, you're not going to regret uh, looking into that. It's going to be an incredible ministry going forward for ourselves in this podcast and the sponsorship. And again, thank you so much for being a part of the future is now family. I love you guys. I'll see you next time.